0: Hey, good morning everyone. So glad to be able to join you today and uh, appreciate you uh, coming online with us here today and enjoying a time of worship. I know you've enjoyed the music and the singing and uh, now we're going to take a few moments and dig into the Word of God and um, see what it has to say to us. Um, This week I had one of those things that comes by annually for all of us. I had a birthday, and uh, when you get my age, sometimes you don't count those birthdays, but I enjoyed parts of it. And one of the things that I enjoyed about birth- my birthday was hearing from friends, right? Even though today, communication is instant, and we can communicate with people all over the world, really, anytime we want to, you would think normally it's not a big deal. And yet, on an occasion, like a birthday, when friends begin to message you and text you and and call, and and, and it's nice to hear from people, especially people in a far land. You know, I I may be stretching it a bit, but I don't think so. I I think that the Lord actually likes hearing from us as well. I, I really think through prayer, as we reach out and communicate with God, as we build a relationship with God through prayer, it is a pleasing thing for Him. He is glad to hear from us. And sometimes, I'm afraid, we don't take advantage of that often enough. Thus, we've been talking for the last several weeks about prayer. And the key question, and maybe a difficult question, I don't know, to me it's been challenging. I hope it has to you. The question is, does prayer matter? Does prayer matter? Yes, I believe the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, prayer does matter. One of the reasons that prayer matters is because it is pleasing to God to hear from us. Now, it's my time for confession. I know the other guys have probably confessed this as well, but my time for confession. When I teach on prayer, I'm teaching more from a position of struggle than I am from success. I'm preaching more from struggle than I am from satisfaction, I'm not satisfied with my prayer life, and I don't know, frankly, if I ever will be down here. When I teach about prayer and think speak about prayer, it is largely aspirational, at least more aspirational for me than accomplished and, and mastered, um, and it's something that we all all must move toward so again this series has been convicting does prayer matter I believe it does we've talked about the fact that prayer matters because Jesus expected it he didn't ask the disciples to to or to give the disciples the model prayer and say if you pray but rather he said when you pray right he expects us to pray so Prayer does matter. We talked about the fact that prayer matters because it impacts us. It changes us. It deepens our relationship with God. It deepens our level of trust in God. It shows us our dependence upon God. Now, today we're going to see prayer matters because it also affects others. Prayer impacts other people. Our prayers matter because our prayer impacts others. Now, one thing we know, we know that prayer impacted the life of the Apostle Paul. We've seen how it impacted the life of some disciples as they uh, watched Jesus pray, learned from Jesus, in fact, said to him, Master, would you teach us to pray? And uh, prayer was important to them. They, they spoke about that. They said, yes, prayer matters. Paul is the other strong figure in the New Testament, and um, we know that prayer mattered to Paul in all of his writings he talked about prayer he instructed about prayer he talked about his prayer life he talked about prayer life for others today we're going to look at a, one of the sections of scripture that Paul wrote and 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 we're going to see what he has to say about prayer i'm going to answer some questions that i hope will be very practical for you we really didn't want this series to be just all about you should pray you should pray you should pray we really want to talk to you about How to pray, when to pray, who do I pray for? Some of those questions that that we need to think of as we develop this discipline or at least work toward this discipline of prayer. So we're going to look at the book of Timothy, a letter that Paul wrote to a young student named Timothy. Paul was his mentor, his father in the faith. And as Timothy grew and matured in his faith and in his spiritual journey, Paul began to uh, put him in places of leadership, ultimately, as the pastor, many believe, of the church at Ephesus. And um, there at Ephesus, Timothy was in the work, in the ministry, and Paul would write letters to him. We know of at least two that are are, are put into our scriptures, and those two we call, this is really unique, First and Second Timothy, right? So today, we're going to look at First Timothy, the second chapter, and a few verses that are very, very important. And I think speak to our hearts about this matter of prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he begins in verse 1. I want to read through four verses, right, kind of collectively, then we'll come back and unpack them. He says, first of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, now there's our word, and later we'll see how they all kind of tie together, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, boy, there's a lot here. I want to unpack some of it if I can. I, I'm probably going to spend a little more time in, in verse 1 and verse 4, but we'll look at some in between. A couple of very important questions, I think, that Paul answers. The first answer he gives us is to the question, when do I pray? When do I pray? Look at verse 1. Notice what he says. First of all, Now, I don't think those are just passing words. I don't think those are words we can just blow by. I don't think those are insignificant words. I think it's very important that Paul begins this little section by saying, first of all, when do we pray? We pray first. We make it a priority. I think Paul is saying that not only does prayer matter, perhaps he's implying that prayer matters most. It's a priority in our life. We who are ministers have to learn the fact that the number one priority for us is prayer. We who are ministers in a secular sense, we who are ministers in a workplace, we who are ministers at school must learn that prayer is a priority. It's not something we do later. It's what we do now. It's what we do first. I've learned in my life that the most important things on my calendar, on my to-do list, my but well be done first. If they're not done first, I may never get around to it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could learn to pray first thing when we get up? Doesn't matter if you're an early riser, if you're a noon riser, if you're on shift work and, and you don't you don't sleep at night or whenever it is you rise, wouldn't it be for way uh, wonderful, a uh, discipline to start our day first with prayer, first communicating to God, first letting God hear from us. I read one time of a pastor who was in his church church building on a Monday. And sometimes we pastors would do this. You know, we'll walk through our buildings on Monday after a a wonderful meeting on the Lord's Day. And he was walking through his buildings, and he's walking through his classrooms. And he walked into one classroom and saw a whiteboard. And he noticed on the whiteboard that someone had written, uh, assumedly one of the teachers had written, when all else fails, pray. The pastor decided to make a point. He walked to the whiteboard. Took a red marker and put a big X across it and said this, wrote this, before all else fails, pray. Now that might seem like an insignificant little gesture. It may seem like a petty little point, but really there's some truth to that, isn't it? Why is it that we wait until all else fails to pray? Why not begin the discipline of failure or of prayer before? All else fails. As a matter of fact, we've already learned that prayer is more than just about getting things done for us to keep from failing. Prayer is a time to deepen our relationship with God, to deepen our faith and deepen our trust in him. That's a good thing to do first. So when do I pray? Pray first. The second thing he answers, I think, in verse number one is, how do I pray? How do I pray? Look what he says. Very clearly. First of all, then, I urge that petitions... Now, hold on right here. When we think about how to pray, we have our model prayer. We have the Lord's model prayer, and and that was very helpful that first week of study, wasn't it? We saw how the Lord broke down the prayer and what it was we are to pray, how we are to pray. Now, Paul gives us a little bit more of the dynamic of prayer by using four words. Four words that describe a separate or different, maybe closely related, dynamic to prayer. The first one is this word petition. Petition. Um, Different versions render that different ways, but the idea of the petition is any need that is presented to God for the sake of having it met. In other words, it is okay for us to bring our Petitions our requests to God, our needs to God. It is okay for us to come to Him with those things that are needful in our lives. Now, sometimes we have a hard time discerning both what we need and what we want. I get that. That's something you just have to work through and work out. But it is okay for us to come to God with our petition. Here are our needs, Lord. Walk through the scriptures and you find many, many instances, many, many cases when people would bring their needs to the Lord, when they would bring their needs to the Lord Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us to come before the throne of grace boldly, requesting uh, of our Father the needs that are in our hearts and in our minds. So we need to understand that it's okay to bring those things before the Lord. Then he says, not only petitions, but prayers. Another classification here, another thought here, is this word prayers. Now prayers comes from the, the the original language, the Greek language you remember, Scripture was written in, the New Testament. The original language, the word is the word from which we get our word prostrate. In other words, lying down, face down. The idea is to bow. The idea is to fall on our face before the Lord. Now, there's some who connect this with worship, And, and prayer is worship, by the way. Oftentimes, when we talk about worship, we're thinking about singing, but singing is only a part of the worship experience. Prayer is worship, because as we come to Him in prayer, we are extending, we are building, we are deepening our relationship with God. We are, it is important that we understand that. And so he's talking here about the idea of calling on God in a very general, general way, but including everything, all the things around us that are our needs and that is going on in our life, we fall before him. I can recall times in my life when that was a very literal thing in my life. Now I'm not sure that the emphasis here is necessarily on our posture. Sometimes we think about posture. We think about, should I kneel when I pray? Should I fold my hands when I pray? Um, Should I close my eyes when I pray? Should I bow my head when I pray? I'm not sure posture of our body is as important as the posture of our heart. Right, I think the idea here is not necessarily physically laying before the Lord, although I would suggest you try that sometime. <laughs> and I would suggest that you do just that. There is something about lowering ourselves, our bodies on the ground physically. There is something about that posture. There is a time when the posture of kneeling is important and helpful. There's a time when the posture of bowing our heads and closing our eyes might be helpful. But the most important thing is the prostrate, or is the position of our heart. And the idea is that we bow, that we fall before God in complete surrender to Him. Now that deepens this thing about prayer, doesn't it? It's not just a God is good, God is great thing, but it's something that matters. It's something that is deep. Then he says intercessions. The third word is intercession. Now we know about intercession. Intercession is simply Praying for other people, right? Intercession is praying on behalf of someone else. I can pray for my wife. Every morning I pray for my children, for my grandchildren. I pray for my family or my friends or whomever it may be that you're thinking, what are we praying for? We know about prayer requests, right? When someone says, hey, would you pray for me? I'm going to surgery this week, just this week. I got a text about someone going to surgery. Would you pray for me? Sure. Just got some news from the doctor about a disease. Can you pray for me? Sure, we will. Intercession is praying for someone else. We need to learn to spend time praying for other people, not just making our own needs known to God, but also the needs of others. Then he says, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now we know what Thanksgiving is. We know that this is simply thanking God for the abundance of blessing in our life, thanking God for his presence in our life, thanking God for who he is, adoring him for who he is, not just what he's done. Thanksgiving's important. i tell you what, when I read this, when I was thinking through this and preparing this, I'm really disciplining myself not to go off on a little trail here because I'm amazed at how much the Apostle Paul writes to us, writes to the church about Thanksgiving. Each of the churches he writes to, he talks about the importance of thanksgiving. Now, I don't know what that is, but it might be that the people were not very thankful and he had to instruct them in that manner. And and that strikes me because sometimes today I feel like that's something we're losing, this art of thankfulness, this art of giving thanksgiving, this practice of thanking people, yes, but ultimately thanking God. Wow. Sometimes when we focus on our, our needs, we focus on what's going on in our, our circumstances, we focus in on our burdens, we focus in on the hard things that we're facing, the difficult things, the grief, the, the pressure, the financial strain, whatever it might be, we focus on those things. I think we would do well to, yes, offer prayer and petition for that, but also to give thanksgiving. And if we could learn to focus on this thanksgiving end of the dynamic of prayer, I believe it helps us tremendously. So how do we pray? We pray by letting our needs be known to God, by falling before God and surrender, by humbling our heart before him, by honoring him in worship as hallowed be thy name spoke to us, praying for other people and giving thanks and honor to God. Then Paul comes a little further and answers another question. So, who do I pray for? Who do I pray for? Well, he gives us a pretty good answer. Look at the next part of the verse. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving to be made for everyone now that's pretty um, that's pretty broad isn't it? For everyone <laughs> I, I thought of, about that I, and I I I I there's all kinds of ways you can unpack that thought of praying for everyone. I, I think there's something to be said for specifics. In fact, we're going to see some specifics in just a moment. But that idea of everyone is important. I heard of a, a, a professor who went who journeyed to um to um Italy to see the Pope and um as they came into the, the, the um, Vatican area there, he asked about the Pope and where's the Pope. And someone said to him, the Pope is in the chapel. The Pope is in the chapel. What's he doing in the chapel? He's praying for the world. And the the blogger that I was list, reading at that point made the point. I got her a deep conviction because the Pope was praying for the world when have I prayed for the world? Everyone. But I think here in the context of the scripture, what he's do- talking about, frankly, is praying for everyone regardless of their spiritual condition. We'll see that in just a moment. Not just, regarding for, not just praying for others in the family, but also praying for those outside the family. There was a time when I heard teaching that said, you know what, we should only pray for those in the family of God. We shouldn't pray for those outside the family. The only thing we can really pray for anybody outside the family of God is that they would be saved. We'll see in a moment. That is a part of that prayer. But now I think he's telling us, wait a minute, you can pray for everyone, whether they know Christ or whether they don't know Christ. And in fact, he gives us a specific example. Let's read on. He says, pray for everyone. And then he specifies for kings and all those who are in authority. For kings and for all those who are in authority. Government leaders, he's being very specific about praying for government leaders. Now, this is not a reflection on our government leaders. I don't know, but I know this. I'm pretty sure government leaders at this time were outside the faith and family of God. As a matter of fact, this must have been a tough word for young Timothy. Timothy. If indeed he is pastoring in the city of Ephesus, we know that local government believed that the church was bad for their business and was doing everything they could to stop the influence of the church, to stop the church because they were hurting business. And by the way, over it all, over all the empire, the Roman Empire, was a man with blood-stained hands named Nero. So, Paul says... This is who you need to be praying for, specifically everyone, including those who are not within the family of God and those who may even be your enemies, even your political enemies. Now, I don't want us to get off on this too far, but I do want to say we need to be careful. Yes, we pray for our government leaders, but we pray not only for our guy or our lady, but guess what? For the other as well. The idea is not only to pray for just those people who have similar needs, but those even beyond. So, who do I pray for? He says we pray for everyone. Does prayer really matter? I think it does. Because he's going to go on and tell us a very important benefit of praying as he said. Now look at the verse. and Let's finish that up. For kings and all... Remember, pray for everyone. For kings and all those who are in authority, so that very important connecting point, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Paul says there's some really important reasons why prayer matters. Prayer matters for two things that he's going to mention, peace and redemption. First of all, peace. There's a peace that comes through prayer. There is a tranquility of life. There is a tranquility of life that prayer brings. In the midst of storm, in the midst of difficulty, it brings peace. Before I came in to do this recording, I heard A.J. singing. It wasn't too painful. He did pretty good. And he was singing the song that we often sing, There's Another in the Fire. So I know I will never be alone. See, prayer reminds us there's another in the fire. There's another in the water. There's a grace when my heart is under fire, and I know I'll never be alone. Prayer brings us to a place of tranquility and peace in our heart, peace in spite of circumstances. That's why Paul described it as a peace that passes understanding. We can't tell people about it because circumstances are not good, burdens are real, problems are difficult. But there's a peace that comes through prayer. There's a tranquility in life and a dignity in life that comes through prayer. And I think that's important for us to remember. However, I think very specifically in the text, Paul is referring to praying for, for freedom from persecution, from a peace from the persecution of the Roman Empire, the Roman government, the local Ephesus um, uh, government who were all trying to persecute them, trying to stamp out this way, trying to make examples of them. And I think Paul is saying, pray for them, that we would have some security and some peace. I'm not sure we can't hold both of those as a part of what he's getting to here. Yes, we can pray specifically. We also know that prayer brings peace to our heart. But not only should we pray for peace for ourselves, but also peace for others. Because now he begins to pray for redemption. Look at verse 4. In verse 4 he says, This is good and it pleases God and our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Prayer is not only deep and intimate worship. It is an evangelistic tool. Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever thought about praying through the concept, through the lens of evangelism. Have you ever thought about praying with that end in mind? We we pray for someone to be healed from cancer, and we should. We we pray for someone who's having surgery in the hospital, and we should. But we can't forget to pray for the soul of that person. How, How can we forget to pray about a person's eternity? How can we think that it's unimportant for us to pray and not think of a person's eternity. When we pray for others, that prayer includes praying for them to be spiritually transformed, not just physically healed or physically changed, but spiritually transformed, spiritual transformation. He wants us to understand that God desires. That's important. That matters to God. And it needs to matter to us. When's the last time we prayed For the spiritual transformation of people around us, I know your hands are probably going up. So I know, Pastor Eddie. Last time I prayed for spiritual transformation was with my husband, for my husband, or for my wife, or for my children or my grandchildren because they've gone astray and they've left the faith and they've this and this. So I prayed for them. Okay, I understand that. But when's the last time you prayed for the the spiritual needs of that angry boss, or that ornery neighbor, or that? student friend who betrayed you, or that government official that is misleading you? When's the last time we prayed for our enemies? You know one thing I've learned is a hard lesson. I say learned, I guess I'm still learning. It's hard to criticize judgmentally. It's hard to hate someone that we're praying for and particularly when we're praying for their spiritual transformation. Kind of reminds me of a man named Jonah. We've heard about him, so I'll move on. But the truth is, this is important, where we're going with all of this. Why does prayer matter? Because it impacts people. Our prayers impact people, perhaps even to eternity. Now, you know Paul. If you read Paul's letters very much, you know this is going to happen. When Paul starts to talk about this, he can't help but go off just a little bit and talk about the gospel. And so he gives us a quick two-verse gospel review that I think is extremely powerful and worth thinking about. He says in verse 5, For there is one God, there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Paul says we need to remember that eternity matters because one man, one God-man, Jesus Christ, Jesus, man, the man Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, all packed together, 100% God, 100% man, and yet he came to offer the body that he had for our ransom, for our redemption. That, my friends, is worth thinking about for a few minutes this morning. I want you to think through that just a moment as you pray and as you come before a holy God and as you exercise the privilege that you've been given as a child of God to pray. Understand that you receive that privilege through the broken body and bloodshed of our Lord Jesus Christ. And understand that you can approach God today and I can approach God today because He was separated from the Father on the cross. Just remember that when you and I come and enjoy the privilege of bowing down before our God and bringing our petitions to Him and bringing our friends to Him in intercession and offering our thanksgiving for everything that's done, it's all because we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, one mediator between God and and man, why was a mediator is only important if there is a dissension, right? Mediators are only important if there's a gap. Jesus filled the gap between God and man. He filled the gap for me, and he filled the gap for you. You see, we're not talking about religion here. Religion is advice. The gospel is good news. Religion will tell you, will give you advice on how to live, and hope you get it right. The good news is, one who's already lived got it right. On our behalf, who are you praying for? Who are you praying for that doesn't understand that good news that needs to receive that good news? One of the greatest prayer warriors I've ever read read about is a man by the name of George Mueller. Some of you have read George Mueller's books. George Mueller began praying for five of his friends. He began praying for their salvation. He understood that they did not understand the good news of the gospel, so he began praying for those friends, just as Paul is suggesting to Timothy, knowing that these friends needed to know the gospel. Mueller began to pray. After many months, one of them came to faith in Christ. Ten years later, two others came to faith in Christ. It took 25 years for the fourth man to come to Christ, and the fifth man came to Christ shortly after Mueller's funeral. And yet he prayed persistently. Does prayer matter? Mattered to Mueller. Does prayer matter? It mattered to those five men who are now spending their time in eternity. Does prayer matter? The real question is, does it matter to you? One more story and I'm done. In one region of Africa, the first converts of Christianity were very diligent about their praying. As I've traveled in Africa, I still find that the African people are, African Christians are very diligent about their prayer life. Many of them will walk miles just for a prayer meeting. In fact, these believers were said to have had very prayer rooms, not in their houses, but out in the bush places that were cleared that they could come and, and or go to and pray so that they could be alone with God and away from the distractions and the hustle and the bustle of the, the society they lived in. And, and so they would have these prayer rooms in the bush. And, of course, to get to the prayer room, they had to cut a trail. and They would walk that trail daily. They would walk that trail regularly to go to the prayer room, their own, as Jesus would call it, prayer closet And that trail would become known as the prayer trail. Well, the legend of that place goes that when people saw grass growing on the trail, they would know it hadn't been traversed very much. And they would go to that individual and they would say to that individual, hey friend, there's grass on your prayer trail. The friend knew exactly what that meant. And under conviction, would move back to the discipline. Now, I've already confessed my weakness here. I'm just going further now to confess that sometimes there's grass on my prayer trail. And I need to often be reminded about that grass on my prayer trail. I don't know about you, but for me, this series has been the voice of friends saying, Hey, Pastor Eddie, there's grass on your prayer trail. So I want to ask you, as your friend, is there grass on your prayer trail? Have you been down it lately? Does prayer matter? Jesus said yes. The apostles all said yes. Paul said yes. Does prayer matter? The question is, what do you say? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this time together this morning, and thank you for these friends who've listened in. Some I know, some I don't know. Some who know me, some who have no idea who I am. The important thing is, God, that they would know you and hear from you this morning. Father, would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our hearts about the great reconciler, Jesus Christ? the great mediator who stands between God and man. And if there's anyone listening to my voice this morning, God, who needs a mediation, who needs a relationship with you, who doesn't understand what all that means, God, would you speak to their hearts right now? Draw them to the living, lovely Lord Jesus. And God, I pray that those of us who have a relationship with you would spend time talking to you, would understand that it's good to hear from a friend from afar, and would decide today to give you a call. Just to talk, just to say hello, just to check in. God, I pray that you would gently remind us when our prayer trails are covered with grass. Thank you for the reminder in my heart. And thank you for this moment in jesus name amen